week six into the NBA season, almost 25% of the way through. Well, some teams have already hit that if you count the number of games they played. But nonetheless, we're still in the early portions of the season, but we still got a big trade that happened. That's right, the Jimmy Butler saga is now officially over. Well, at least the Minnesota Timberwolves portion of it. Um, Carmelo Anthony, though, his NBA story might come to an end in a very anticlimactic sort of way. And then Gr Draymond Green and Kevin Durant possibly have gone going at it in the locker room and, and beyond we'll discuss and also the unexpected group of teams that have gone seven of three for their last 10 games and we'll also quickly talk about the conference players of the week um but first let's get let's get started on an actual topic that affects the basketball of these teams and that's jimmy butler getting traded to the philadelphia 76ers sean what's your reaction to this oh man alan this one's a long time coming, and a long time relatively. I thought this was going to happen before the season started, but uh, the 76ers coming in, swooping up Jimmy Butler, and everyone thought it might be the Rockets, it might be the, even the Clippers, might even be the Heat. Um, now it's the 76ers who are looking at their pretty, I would say, below average start for what they expected from, of themselves at the mm -hmm. beginning of this year and you know they thought they're like if we want to make this next move uh to compete with the likes of like the raptors and the bucks who were looking really strong at the start of the season we, we need to go get a guy like jimmy butler get some star power on our team yeah. uh, willing to give up robert covington dario Saric, jared bayless and a 2022 second rounder to get butler along with uh justin Patton, who probably won't really do much for them yeah interesting so another uh, star that went from east to west goes back to the west to the east and now all of a sudden to me the eastern conference looks a little bit more um, interesting and fun I mean with the Bucks getting the start that they have I mean the Celtics uh, they've they've won they won some big games this week um, but they weren't looking that hot to start the season but now you got the 76ers added to this equation alongside the Toronto Raptors all of a sudden I mean the top four in the east is do you think that's matchable to the top four in the west hmm Wow, that's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, you got you can't count the Warriors, but I mean, the the Raptors, the Bucks, like if you're comparing it to who's up at the top of the West right now, which is the Blazers and the Nuggets, I feel like those are pretty comparable teams. Yeah. Yeah, so I'd say the top end is is definitely pretty even if you're yeah. looking at the two, but I mean, you, you, where you see the drop off is towards the bottom of each of them. The West is just so much stronger, uh, farther right. down. Yeah, and I think I think we agree there that the, it seems like the top four. Well, the Warriors are obviously on their own in their own league at this moment. But yeah, looking at three for three, whether it's Portland or um, who else? Oh, the Nuggets. The Nuggets. Or, I mean, and I mean that other that fourth seed right now is is the Memphis the Grizzlies. Grizz so kids, I, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's gonna stay. But I mean, it's pretty interchangeable with with whoever that ends up being in that fourth spot. I think they're going to be comparable uh, to the fourth seed in the East at this point. But more than anything, do you think this is a good fit here? I mean, Jimmy Butler from Chicago having locker room issues there uh, to the Timberwolves having locker room issues there. And now to the Philadelphia 76ers, a team who whose makeup, at least age-wise, is not that, far, not that far off from what um, was in, what, what, what was in um, Minnesota. Yeah, I I think that so far it's looking like it's a pretty good fit. Um, I ha I think I'm pretty optimistic about this. Mm -hmm. uh, when you when you just compare 
the the star players. I mean, you compare the star big men, Joel Embiid, to Carl Anthony Towns. Joel Embiid is such a tougher player, just a tougher yeah. personality overall, and I think that meshes well with Jimmy Butler's kind of ridiculous competitiveness at times. <laughs> um, so he can definitely take some heat from Jimmy Butler and not get all butthurt about it. Yeah, And he even had this quote come out from Jimmy Butler after one of their last games. It's so much more fun to play with these guys. When someone messes up, you talk to them, and they don't take it personal, and they do their job. So Interesting. Kind of, yeah, kind of like a stab at the old team, too, you know, like he's comparing them. and But he also seems like he likes being on the 76ers, so it seems like a good fit at first. And, I yeah. mean, they, they just won a, a, their first game in uh, Jimmy Butler's home debut uh, for Philadelphia, mm-hmm. things were looking up for him. Um, yeah, all good stuff. That's so that's such a crazy. There's so much you can take from the quote like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, it speaks more to uh, a bad side of the Timberwolves. I mean, pre- maybe passive. Ag- he's implying that there's a lot of passive aggressiveness, a lot of sensitivity mm-hmm. among the personnel in, in Minnesota. Um, but yeah, great start for Jimmy Butler. But I mean. Right now, I would say it's it. He's definitely still in a honeymoon phase with that squad. Um, I'd be interested <laughs> to evaluate this three weeks from now. But the thing is, though, the Jimmy Butler he goes into these teams like Minnesota and Chicago, and and they win games. So it's crazy that it comes down to more of this these personalities and the, these fits in the in the locker room, and it kind of sucks for him a little bit because he's a great player, but he just hasn't gotten the money that I think he he feels he deserves being a top 20 player in this league for a couple of years now. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it, the talent level can always be there, but at the end of the day, you could be the Washington Wizards, you know? Like, I, that's True. the best comparison I can make to what your point well, just, just was. Like, John Wall and Bradley Beal, both amazing players, but it doesn't matter if you don't get along. You just can't play well. But yeah. I want to take a look at the other side of this trade quickly, too, uh, with the Wolves getting two great guys in Covington and Sarge. Like, these are very good NBA players. Yeah. And that's two spots you can put in your starting lineup instead of one. But I th- it looks like for now they're getting Sarge off the bench as more of a sixth-man role. And mm-hmm. they've been winning games. Uh, they've won three games in a row since losing Jimmy Butler. Uh, Robert mm-hmm. Covington seems to have made an immediate impact in the starting lineup. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of this new Wolves team? Do you think they've turned I'm- a corner also? I I mean, judging just from the trade, not taking what they had given up to get Jimmy Butler yeah. in the first place. Um, yeah, I mean, I like Robert Covington on, in Minnesota. Dario Saric had a solid season last year, but this year he's gotten off to a really slow start, um, not scoring the ball as well, not distributing mm-hmm. the ball. I mean, he, he seemed like sort of one of those guys, those versatile point forwards um, that you could bring off the bench or, or, have, or have as your secondary ball handler at times. Uh, but he... Didn't look that well in, in Philadelphia and so far in Minnesota also. I mean, he's kind of just there. But Robert Covington, I think, is is a great fit for Minnesota. Uh, yeah. I, I still don't think this team is as strong as it was with Jimmy Butler on it. Uh, so I think Minnesota, maybe they have more fun playing basketball, <laughs> but I don't see them sneaking into the playoff race. N- now I think there's no way. No way at all, really. You don't, you don't think this I don't team think has any so. chance? Wow. No, I think I, I'm, I'm actually not. surprised that you think that strongly. Yeah, I, I'm now. I'm looking at the Clippers and the Lakers, and I'm like, wow, you, this is it. Like the Lakers' chances just bump, just got bumped up even more. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really anyone's race. But I mean, the Wolves have been playing well, though. You know, like winning their last three they games, have. like climbing back into the race at least. 
it's they're an interesting team, Elias and Covington. I I like Covington as a player, and Saric gives them extra depth because you know Thibodeau likes to play those mm-hmm. guys big minutes. So as yeah. many bodies as you can scrounge up is really helpful for them. But uh, we'll have to yeah. see. Um, yeah, it makes yeah. it interesting. So it gives them a little bit more upside. But here's the problem, though: is you got to pay these guys next year um, <laughs> if you're the Timberwolves. Yeah. So. And, and this is the other side of it, not just like the basketball reads, but more of the basketball management is Tom Thibodeau has done a terrible job now that this whole thing has concluded. And uh, you got Dario Sarik and Robert Covington. Yeah, they're they're good players and they're going to be a good fit. But those guys can walk away next year. And if That's you don't true. pay them, that means you essentially had given up Jimmy Butler for nothing. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, and you let and you had let go of the chance to have Laurie Markin in on your team. And mm-hmm. Zach Levine has been balling out this year. Yeah, and Chris Dunn was looking great before he got hurt. I mean, last year he had a great season for the Bulls, mm-hmm. and you really didn't even acquire any assets in this trade. 2022 second rounder amounts to nothing, really, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, uh, so Robert, I mean, Robert Covington, Tom Thibodeau has got to be crossing his fingers that these guys are enough to get them into the playoffs. And then next year, I mean, that management is willing to go deep into their pockets to pay these guys to come back or they have a shot at somebody else in free agency. Yeah. Do you think Tom Thibodeau gets fired if they don't make the playoffs this year? Yes. Yeah. I would fire him. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. After how disastrous this whole situation has been, he has to be gone. Yeah. I mean, now that you look at it, uh, you know, hindsight is 2020, you know, like you have more to look at and evaluate. I mean, he got greedy. You had, you were did. in a good spot. I mean, you had Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins. You were going to get a lottery pick, which we, and we all know now became Laurie Markkinen. And you had mm-hmm. Zach Levine. Um, and he's, I mean, he's having a great season, too. And Zach he's Levine. having a great year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you probably would have had a better team, I think, with those guys if you take those guys onto this and put them on this squad. But mm-hmm. obviously um, it's impossible to say that things would have transpired that way anyways. Yeah, true. Yeah, but moving on, Carmelo Anthony, who has played his last game as a Rocket, as a t- as the team has announced that they've decided to part ways with him. Yeah, Interesting. this one, man. I, I mean, you know me, you know me. I I don't like Carmelo Anthony as a player. I think his time is up in the league, mm-hmm. and it looks like they're finally starting to see the light too. They just, I guess, they wanted to give him the chance to prove himself because he has been such a amazing player for a long time just an amazing scorer but you could just tell over these last few years that he's just got nothing in the tank left he can put up some 20 point games for you here and there but it's at the expense of defense lack of energy and they didn't win any of those games where he was scoring a lot of points so i think it's it's the best thing for the team at this point and it shows because now they've gone on a little winning streak themselves yeah uh, without carmelo anthony and yeah, putting a guy Gary Clark, an undrafted rookie, in his place, and that's actually he's actually playing better than Melo did, which is it's really sad to see. Uh, yeah, Mello but I mean that's like this. yeah, that's just the reality of basketball. Um, especially a professional athlete is the time your time comes to an end, and you either um, adapt to it, adapt your game. I mean, like Vince Carter, Richard Jefferson mm-hmm. have yeah. like they've basically been like basic role players for their teams <laughs> at their age. But, I mean, they're willing to accept that role in order to keep playing basketball. But for Carmelo Anthony to be a number one or number two option on offense, those days are long gone. Um, yeah, even number three option, honestly. Yeah. 
And it's interesting, I think, because I feel like most people saw this coming except for the Houston Rockets themselves. <laughs> uh, they were pretty excited, I think, to have him as a six-man. Yeah, how much but, of this is Chris Paul's fault? Um, I'm not sure. Like, just, yeah. just believing in his friend, you know? Like, oh, dude, he's my buddy. Like, I got a, I got a spot on the roster for him. I mean, Mike D'Antoni, though, knew what he was getting. Mike D'Antoni coached this guy. Yeah, but I think Chris Paul has a lot of say in that organization just being like the head of the players association and like a stalwart veteran slash future hall of famer like he yeah. must be consulted in these decisions too it's is what i'm thinking it's possible and i mean i wouldn't doubt that carmelo i obviously chris paul stood up for his guy um but i mean at the end of all this carmelo anthony still he's getting paid by the rockets he got paid by atlanta he got paid by okc all within (laughs) less than six months (laughs) so i mean let's not feel too sorry for this guy but hey i mean i i kind of i saw this coming he wasn't a good fit he's just his style of play is just not a great fit for the way the the game has has evolved to now um and he had a bad reputation with mike d'antoni and mike d'antoni has always been the type of coach that he has a type of player that he loves, and he doesn't care whether that guy's a rookie or what what, what his mm-hmm. accolades are. He'll play that guy. I mean, I remember when he was the Lakers coach, he benched Pal Gasol a couple times. And, yeah. <laughs> and, Brutal. Yeah, I don't remember what who the guy he started was. How am I forgetting his name? Ian Clark? Was Ian it Ian Clark? Clark. Wow. Yeah, Ian Clark. Ooh. That's a name that you never need to remember. Yeah, and here's here here's something else that I uncovered that I forgot completely about. Uh, but I was watching a quick clip of a first take with Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith. I rarely watch those guys, but <laughs> but Max Kellerman actually threw a little tidbit that I didn't realize, and that's that um, Jeff Bill is it Bizdelic? Jay, yeah, yeah, Jeff Bizdelic, the defensive coordinator <laughs> for the Rockets, who left last year and came back. He was actually Carmelo Anthony's first coach in the nba and they oh. butted heads back then i did not know that yeah and now he's back with the rockets yeah did he push carmelo anthony out i don't know i'm sure he didn't help him stay <laughs> that's really yeah cool. yeah but, so it right now they haven't waived carmelo anthony officially as of yet and it doesn't seem like there's very many teams that are actually even interested in having him on their team and the one place that actually looks like they really want him is the Puerto Rico national team. Nice. For the tw- upcoming 2020 Olympics. So, hey, will we see Melo in a Puerto Rico uniform after winning so many golds with the Team USA in previous mm-hmm. Olympics? That would be um, a pretty interesting end to his NBA slash professional basketball career, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to whether or not he wants to keep playing basketball at the highest level possible and if that's what he wants to do then all you know all power to him he he should be allowed to control his own destiny regardless of what the mob or the bloggers or people like me and you say he should do (laughs) right i mean i think it would do some good i mean that's a nation that's suffering right now because of all the all the terrible natural disasters that happened um they, they could use a nice spark uh, to the yeah. national team and get some relief fund go- effort going, maybe some more um, national recognition. Uh, at least yeah. as far as yeah, as far as Carmelo Anthony's popularity goes. Right, and I think uh, years from now, we'll. I mean, Carmelo Anthony will be remembered for his national title with Syracuse. He'll be remembered for his days in Denver, the Western Conference battles he had with the Lakers. 
Um, he'll be yeah. remembered for the the string of successful seasons, some successful seasons he had in New York, and his scoring ability. I mean, no one. I don't think this is gonna really stain his legacy as much as people think. I mean, I just think of like Tracy McGrady. I mean, Tracy McGrady, all of a sudden now is. Uh, has become sort of like a bigger name in the last couple of years. And, yeah, sure. uh, and everybody brings up his Rocket days and his Orlando Magic days, and everybody forgets that he played for the Atlanta Hawks and the San Antonio Spurs in those later <laughs> years of his career. Yeah, yeah, those, yeah, you tend to forget those later years, those forgettable years. But for now, I'm glad we don't have to talk about Carmelo Anthony's antics anymore. <laughs> that, this is true. We'll, we'll see where he ends up. But uh, how about this? Draymond Green um, suspended after confronting... Kevin Durant in the locker room and having an argument on the court. Uh, Kevin Durant fouling out that same game. Them losing. Oh, man, this is just seems like a messy, messy day <laughs> for this franchise. Wow, yeah. That, it was an interesting week for the Golden State Warriors. I mean, going into the season, we all knew that free agency was impending for them next offseason, but we were just like, oh, yeah, they'll go win another title, and then maybe they'll want to come back because it seems like they're – functioning pretty well and then <laughs> only uh 15 games into this season and you're starting to already see some tension uh mm-hmm. kevin durant already seeming like he's gonna leave one anonymous warriors player um after that little scuffle said with what was said there's already no way durant is coming back and we, we don't know who that quotes from but that's pretty strong coming from one of the players within that organization right and Woj reporting also that the b word was thrown around a lot which mm-hmm. is not surprising i mean Draymond Green seems like a guy who loves using that word when he's emotional. (laughs) I I would not be surprised if that was just part of his normal vocabulary. But yeah, yeah, I mean, as for like big a story as that is, I really don't see it affecting them this year for their chances at winning a championship. Like the only reason that they lost that game and that they've been on kind of a cold streak is because Steph Curry has been injured and Draymond Green was injured before that. The injuries are what gets them. It's kind of like... We saw a little bit of this drama last year with them, too, and it's not going to affect them this year, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, too. Basketball-wise, I think they're going to be able to play, even if they, I guess, hate each other or or this does end up causing sort of a even a minor rift. I think they're fine. They're just so good that the amount of talent on that squad. and, And, yeah, the injuries definitely hurt. And, I mean, if you even break down that day, it's like... Um, it's like a, the first day of a back-to-back. Um, there, I mean, the refs were just calling some. We're not very calling. We're not calling consistent calls on either side. And uh, Durant was in foul trouble. He ends up fouling out on some rip-through play from Montrez Harrell. Kudos to him for making <laughs> making Durant reach on that. But taste of his and, own medicine, bro. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then that that final play to potentially win the game was so weird. Um, I think it was just sort of a mental lapse on Draymond Green's part because if you look closely, Kevin Durant was in perfect position to grab the rebound, you know, take his couple dribbles up the court and just pull up for three and make the sh- <laughs> yeah. and make that shot that we've seen him do so many times in the playoffs and in the regular season. So he was positioned perfectly, and I think Draymond Green might have just had a mental lapse and. Or he knew exactly and- what he was doing, and he's like, "I'm not passing it to that guy. I'm gonna be the hero this time." That's true. I and I hope that wasn't it and I don't I I just find it uh, I just don't think it's likely that that's what went through his mind. I think he just had a mental lapse and didn't realize what was happening around him and and you know <laughs> and then he ended up doing what he did. He dribbled yeah. it out and turned the ball over. Yeah. I I got I got to say I can't I can't be uh 
I'm not surprised that Draymond Green would have a mental lapse. If yeah. I'm being perfectly honest. I mean, that game was just so weird in that the Clippers had such a large lead and the Warriors just slowly chipped away at it and was very, like, um, not very – I mean, the plays just didn't seem, like, heroic or of that sort. They no. just slowly did it in very in a very um, uh, typical fashion, I think. Yeah, it was a pretty stressful game for me as a Clippers fan. <laughs> man, it, man, I, I was like, I can't believe we're going to win this game. This is going to be awesome. And then went to overtime, and I was like, oh, that's it. It's over, but – Man, Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about them later. but Yeah. I just kind of wanted to mention this portion of it, too, because I think the stars just aligned that day. Frustrations blew up. And I do think Draymond Green does have a, a certain point when talking about uh, money. And, I mean, at the end of the day, nothing makes a person more emotional and more personal than talking about money. <laughs> um, True. And this is, this is the fact, though, is that Draymond Green did take a pay cut. Back in 2015 for the Warriors to have a shot at signing a Kevin Durant or any mm-hmm. type, type of player of his magnitude. Um, and Draymond Green now this year is eligible for an extension. And and the Warriors are going to have to discuss whether or not how much money is going to go to Draymond Green and how much is going to go to Durant or whether they give both of them their fair share. And there's also this. If Green is voted MVP, probably unlikely yeah, defensive no. <laughs> player, defensive player of the year, Hmm, interesting. Maybe. Or or makes one of the three all NBA teams uh this year. He'll be eligible for a super max, which is a five years and two hundred and twenty six million dollars. Really? Which so any of those? Like just making one of the three all NBA teams gets right. that super max? Wow. Yeah, and that's in my opinion, I think that's pretty likely. Yeah, that seems pretty doable. Like he, he like just as being on the Warriors gets him that like way closer to that than he would on any other team. Exactly, and I mean, if he, I mean, I don't blame him for wanting to collect five years, two hundred and twenty-six million. <laughs> but if you're the yeah. Warriors, you're looking at giving Draymond Green a contract of that magnitude, while at the same time, you know, Kevin Durant has already expressed he doesn't want a pay cut. So I could see that that's that's probably creating a rift between the two. Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be a tough decision for them next summer. I mean, if I'm them, you gotta want Kevin Durant more than Draymond Green. Like that's just a yeah. given. So I agree I, with I, you. I could see them shoot just t- giving Draymond Green the boot. Honestly, yeah, that might happen unless he's willing to take the pay cut, which I don't think. Doubt it. Draymond, yeah, Draymond not, Green not two wants times to. Around. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's probably some of the frustration that that blew up that day. Um, but how about the injury report? Unfortunately, Carice LeVert goes down, goes Uh, with a gruesome ankle injury, but could be back this season. Sean, what are your thoughts on Carice LeVert going down? Yeah, that was a bad one, man. Watching the replay of it, I was like, that looks like Gordon Hayward all over again. It looked looked awful. But, like, literally the best way this possibly could have gone uh, ends up only being a dislocated right foot, uh, no surgery required, and they say he could be back this season, which is huge. I mean, I'm sure he's going to miss a large portion of it and probably won't be back till late into the mm-hmm. season. But, I mean, that that's big that he can come back this year and still be able to get his court legs back before next season because this guy's been balling out. I mean, he started the season 18 points a game, four rebounds on 47% shooting. Mm-hmm. He, he was having a good breakout year, becoming like a very valuable NBA player in his third season in the NBA. Yeah, uh, so you just me- hate to see a guy like this go down like that. 
Yeah, to me, he looked like the best player on this Nets team. Definitely, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, D'Angelo Russell's just getting off to a really slow start. Jared Allen gives you what he gave you last year. Allen Crabb is going to be the guy who has to step up here and fill this void, but he also has not looked very well. No. Um, but, I mean, they have they have young players who could potentially step up, but I, this is a huge blow to the Nets. They look like they were going to, for sure, outperform expectations. And I had that feeling when I did the season preview on them. I kept looking at their roster, and I, Carice LeVert was one of those guys where I was like, wow, this guy actually has had some successful basketball previously, but has just ran into consistent roadblocks um, yeah. via injuries. And I th- and I and it looked to me like he that he was gonna have he potentially could have had a bro- breakout year and and it was certainly looking that way so it sucks to see him fall apart fall down like this and the Nets are probably heading back to the lottery this year for sure yeah I mean yeah with the way the the bottom of the East looks I mean five hundred could get you there and the Nets were looking like a five hundred team right whereas before they weren't because I mean, we, I mean you might have seen it coming I did not see Curry's Levert's breakout year coming like like he started and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just sucks. I mean, yeah, a lot to look forward to as a Nets fan, but it might just be another whatever season again. Yeah, well, there's still hope that this isn't a career-changing injury for Carice LeVert. So oh, no, yeah, maybe... for sure. Like, they can still be excited about him being there, but yeah. this season is pretty much lost. Yeah, this season is a wash, but hopefully it seems like, thankfully, the signs look like he could come back next year and be that, that same type type of player. Mm-hmm. Um so other mentions here is Rajon Rondo oh. oddly breaks his hand in the middle of a Laker game, and oh. most and he was still out there for a couple minutes. And most people, I didn't notice yeah, how that. How do you he, how do you break your hand and not like how do you not? How do you, I mean, I guess he's just super tough, is what we're saying. Is like he's able to just play with a broken hand. Yeah, I, and it looked to me that it was off a play where he ran into Nurkic or something like that. So mm. that's kind of crazy that. You can just break your hand that way. Into NBA <laughs> These are players. big boys out here, man. <laughs> you just jam your hand into them the wrong way. They're just 250 pounds of muscle just standing yeah. there. Seriously. And then um, John Henson expected to miss a minimum of 12 weeks with a torn ligament in his oh. wrist. Ah, that's uh, a long time. Yeah, and I mean, he... I guess he's a he's an important player for that team. He's one of the few front court players they have off the bench um yeah so i mean they're gonna have to figure something out yeah his value increased a lot this year because he's one of those centers that has adapted to the modern nba and has developed a three-point shot which is huge that's why milwaukee's been so good i think is part of the reason is they have two centers in brooke lopez and john henson that both stretch the floor and shoot threes and Mm -hmm. do so at a pretty decent rate i mean I think this is a pretty big blow for their bench. Um, you're, you're not going to be able to continue stretching the floor as well as you did when you had a rotation with Lopez and Henson. And he, he's out a minimum of 12 weeks, so he could be out even longer. Torn ligament in your wrist. Oh, man, that is bad. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's see if they. Uh, let's see if that is a big impact on them. I, I still see them winning most of their games without him. Like, I don't think he makes up that many more games for you, but... Yeah, that someone's going to have to step up on their bench. Yeah, they'll have to search deep. But how about the Eastern Conference Player of the Week? This guy is a surprise. This is a surprise uh, I'll, I'll let the name prince and pronunciation go to you, Sean. Oh, wow. That's so kind <laughs> of you. I kind of wish you were pronouncing it, but it's Pascal Siakam. 
the Sci-cam. Eastern Conference Player of the Week, or I think the actual way to say it is Siakam. Siakam. Yeah, Siakam. Pascal Siakam, Cameroonian Eastern Conference Player of the Week here in the NBA, averaging twenty points a game and four point three rebounds on seventy-two percent shooting. Uh, for a Raptors team that was really hot um, at the end of last week and the beginning of this week, but then has faded as of late. But Pascal, man, he's making big strides this year, and he's probably one of the lesser-known names that you'll see in these uh, conference player of the weeks uh, that come out every week from uh, NBA, from the NBA. So props to him. Yeah, he was a surprise this year, but I like his game, man. I like I like the Raptors. I like everything they do, all the pieces. Uh, Pascal Siakam, a member of that bench mob, and now he's on the starting squad and yeah. helping this team w- get some wins. Um, how about Western Conference Player of the Week is CJ McCollin, 20, 25 points on 50% shooting last week to help this team to three straight wins. Though they did drop a couple, including one to the Lakers recently. But still, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> he Portland looks like they're a legitimate threat to be in that top three, top four Western Conference uh, team com- conversation. And they're, they're looking good. Oh, for sure. I mean, this is, this is actually a team that I put as ninth in my preseason rankings as mm. I thought they didn't improve at all. But, man, there's been such huge strides with Nurkic and guys like Nick Stauskas and, and Zach Collins all stepping up their game more than I thought they would, um, making this team look like it's going to be the three seed that they were last year. I mean, they're just able to play great regular season basketball. They have one of the best clutch players in Dame and obviously CJ McCollum. Uh, he had a slow start to the season, but now he's picking it up. And you know, these guys are looking like they're going to have two all-stars on their team again. Yeah. And I guess this is good, a good sign because I mean, there's been a lot of talk to just blow this team up and <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not, I think, I think patience is, is a great thing to, to rely on sometimes. And I think the Portland Trailblazers, the, the fans and the franchise might be rewarded for their patience this year. If the, Trailblazers can can hold on for just a little bit longer, and maybe Zach Collins continues to develop, and CJ McCollum and Damian Leonard uh, continue to play the, at this All Star level. Right? Yeah, they're definitely hungry to get back in the playoffs and prove that they won't get swept two years in a row. Uh, maybe yeah. they can do some sweeping of their own. But yeah. let's give a quick shout out to LeBron for passing Wilt Chamberlain for fifth on the all time scoring list. Yeah, that was awesome. It was pretty clear he came out with a mission that that game to just do it that day no (laughs) (laughs) no waiting on it no waiting to to you know to get to get it in the first quarter the next day the next coming game no he was going to do it that night he was going to get he was going to score 30 and pass will chamberlain and get the the standing ovation from staples center which is well deserved and the Mm -hmm. the scarier thing is i remember when kobe did this and kobe was you know towards the tail end it was pretty evident that he didn't have much much left in his legs and the climb even further up was probably unrealistic but lebron james man he's he can he probably he's gonna pass kobe he's gonna pass jordan this year and mm-hmm. i don't know if he'll get to carl malone but he's gonna get closer than anybody <laughs> ever has for sure oh yeah i mean we'll we'll have to see how many more years he can handle i mean if he can play till he's 40 i, c- I could see it happening if if he's still averaging a, a, like somewhere in the teens at that point would it be incredible even yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't done the math, but I'm sure that would work out that way. I mean, if he continues averaging 25 points <laughs> for the next two or three years, and from there he can just coast and average 12 points and probably get there. Yeah, yeah, going that Vince Carter role. 
Exactly. Um, but yeah, talking about the Lakers, let's just keep rolling right with them uh, to start off our hot teams of the week. Uh, the Los yeah. Angeles Cli- or Lakers, the Clippers are next. The Los Angeles yeah. Lakers with their four-game winning streak since acquiring Tyson Chandler. Is he the difference maker? I mean, I ha- I don't want to say yes because I don't want to give all that much credit to Tyson Chandler, but I I have to. I mean, I feel like yeah, I have, have to. to. And and yeah, I mean, Tyson Chandler just adds another dimension to the to the defense of this Laker team that has just struggled. And I mean, the biggest hole for this team, which was really more of a management issue, is just not getting enough size for this squad to start the season. So Tyson Chandler is just that extra seven footer that comes off the bench that can rebound and defend the ball really well. Um, and that's no knock on JaVel McGee either, who has also just played consistent, great defense and great rebounding, great energy for this Lakers squad, and even scoring the ball well as well. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, JaVale McGee was never the problem. The problem was he could only play 25, 30 exactly. minutes a game. So, yeah, you, you got to fill in with another seven-footer to play that extra 15, 20 minutes. And, they, man, they lucked out with Tyson Chandler, man. Uh, did he had they, that though? epic. Did they? Maybe yeah. they didn't. Maybe they didn't. <laughs> but I did hear that Tyson Chandler did have his choice between the Warriors and the Lakers, and he chose the Lakers. That's a good choice. That's um, a good choice. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, LA I mean, is sunnier in the wintertime than yeah. the Bay Area. And he's he's I mean, I think he's been more of a star here for us. I think I think LA has grown to love him after that huge block on Trey Young to seal the exactly. game against the Hawks and some epic uh volleyball spikes to get the ball back on some uh, key last minute plays to seal wins there i mean he's playing with a lot of heart yeah i i like his game a lot um and like i mentioned last podcast too his stat lines are very modest but the effect he actually has on the game is is so much more than just that um so great piece for the lakers and i mean also lebron lebron has just started to play a little bit better than he has uh lonzo ball still hasn't looked like a star or anything like that but his his defense i mean he's been so much more consistent on it as well as ingram um and i think that's really been a turning point for this team now the question is can they keep it going that now that rondo is going to be out with that hand injury right Uh, yeah lonzo's got a lot of uh, a lot of work to do these next three to five weeks while rondo is out to prove that he can run this team Right, because I mean he's been out on the in the fourth quarter for a couple of these games, but now Luke Walton really doesn't have much choice but to have him out there. Yeah, um, unless yeah, I guess yeah, nobody else really in the rotation would make sense unless you have Josh Hart. No, the best choice would just be to go with Lonzo there. Um, mm-hmm. But the the Lakers are part of that seven and three club uh, teams that have won seven of their last three, which we got we got a triple number of teams here um, that are surprising. One of them is the Lakers and the other one is the Clippers here who are on a three-game yeah. winning streak against the Bucks, and have also beat the Bucks, Warriors, and the Spurs. Yep, all in a row. Man, this Clipper team is just exceeding everyone's expectations and I think it finally came to light when they played on national TV um, against the Spurs and pulled out a gritty victory against them where we were up for most of the game but then they made a comeback uh, as all good Greg Popovich teams do, and Lou Williams was just able to ice them with a late three-pointer, pump fake three-pointer, really, where he got hit on the elbow, still made the three, and just sealed the victory for us. And, I mean, we are rolling right now. We're 9-5 and five on the season, and we just got through, like, a really hard part of our schedule. We're going on a little road trip east to play some weaker teams. Hopefully we can keep that up. 
But I think the big story with the Clippers right now is just how big the depth really is. I mean, we saw yeah. at the beginning of the season, all these guys are interchangeable, honestly. Like, everyone mm-hmm. outside of Lou Williams, like, if Lou Williams gets hurt, hurt, we might be screwed. But I feel like everyone else, to a degree, is pretty replaceable because we have so many guys that are ready to step up. I mean, you even saw some Sundarius Thornwell out there with some <laughs> minutes. I mean, he's a good player, and he never gets minutes for us. Tyrone Wallace getting some key minutes guarding uh, their best player, honestly, and DeMar DeRozan at times. And these are guys that wouldn't get minutes if Avery Bradley and uh, Mama Mute weren't hurt right now. Um, But you don't even notice that they're gone, honestly. And these are pieces that would probably make the nine-man rotation for us normally. But, yeah, we got 15 guys that can fill in. Uh, One of those being Montrez Harrell, who's having just an amazing stretch right now, playing probably the best basketball in the NBA, in my opinion, like, out of, like <laughs> I don't know about that, but dude, maybe the best I'm, in his career. You no, know, if I'm watching any NBA player right now, nobody is playing harder than Montrez Harrell right now. Nobody. Oh, okay, I will say Montrez Harrell did get that key foul on Kevin Durant that <laughs> may blow up their franchise. <laughs> may, yeah, that might have been it. But yeah, I mean, yeah. over the last four games, he's averaging twenty and a half points, seven. 0.25 rebounds, 2.25 assists, and 2.25 blocks. Yeah. So this guy is just bringing an energy to this team. Like, he's another piece right now. If we, if we lost him, we would probably lose a considerable more amount of games. But he just comes off the bench, and he's just ready to rip the other team apart, man. Like, every play is just full energy. It is yeah. Oh, man. He's my favorite I, I, player in the NBA to watch right now. Yeah, I like the. I really like this Clipper team. I mean, I... I started watching a little bit of it la- this squad last year. Tobias Harris is, seems like a great player oh, to yeah. me. Oh, yeah, I love me some so Tobias, man. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there is really no star on this team, but essentially you just got a bunch of dec- quality pl- quality guys who play hard on the defensive end. And, I mean, Lou Williams is probably their most talented offensive player, but mm-hmm. uh, they just make it work. And I think part of that, I'm going to give some kudos to uh, Doc Rivers for that. Yeah, um, I for think. Sure. Once he got rid of the basketball operations uh, side of his job and and he could just focus 100% on coaching, I think he found a way to really take the pieces that he has and just make it work. And I think Minnesota should take notice of that and, and let Tom Thibodeau just do do his job, and that's coach the team and get take the, all those other responsibilities away from him. Yeah, totally. All credit to Doc Rivers. I think this is where he thrives is with just a bunch of great players that – play for each other, have a lot of energy, play team basketball, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And how about Memphis? They're also part oh, of the 7-3 and three Grit and club. grind will never die. Memphis does not care about your <laughs> high-powered, up-tempo offenses. They're going to slow you down. They're going to play hard and just rely on that grit and grind. I mean, Mike Conley, 30-year-old Mike Conley, 33-year-old Marcus Saul, just putting up double-doubles night in and night out. Um, and Shelvin Mack, out of all the signees, they got Shelvin <laughs> who? Mack. Who? <laughs> so I had no, I really did not know who he was. I looked him up, and he's been in the league for quite some time, but he's having a career year, 11 points, 46% shooting from three, 50% shooting from the field up to this point in this season. Um, so these aren't numbers that really shoot out, but if you watch these games, I mean, the Memphis Grizzlies just hold teams down. Uh, so if you can average 20 20 points or even 10 plus points as a role player against the Memphis Grizzlies or in their style of play. You're pretty good, man. 
Yeah, I I don't think I've even watched a Memphis Grizzlies game yet this year. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I just glance over that on the league pass. I'm gonna have to tune into these guys sometime because I can't I can't deny it. Like they're playing as good as any of these of these other Western Conference teams right now, winning four of their last five, um, and all of them against teams currently above 500. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I I've talked about Garrett Temple on a previous podcast when he had an amazing performance and they're, they're just getting the most out of their guys uh credit to that coaching staff as well with the bj bickerstaff out there right uh yeah i mean i was kind of reluctant to mention them because i was like okay i don't i don't know about this but hey we're, we're five weeks into the season and they're hanging on there fourth in the west if this team stays healthy perhaps and we knew that we talked about that a little bit in our season preview if that Memphis could potentially be that that team that kind of just upsets the entire Western Conference um, <laughs> dynamic in terms of how teams are planning and who they want to be to get to the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. the Timberwolves are going to just be that that black horse in there that kind of just throws everything off. Um, right. Yeah, I, I remember I, I said I did not think Memphis would do a repeat of what they did last year uh, when Mike Conley was there, but yep, they're doing it again. So <laughs> they're not Good job for proving me wrong, Memphis. Yeah, they're going on. They're they're making their way. Um, but also honorable mentions: the Wolves, Rockets, and Mavericks on three game streaks. Right, net three game winning streaks. Uh, the Rockets trying to turn their season around. The Timberwolves as well, and and Dallas Mavericks. They're trying just not to be a forgettable team in the Western Conference because they <laughs> they have some decent pieces. Uh, they do. I mean, Charles Barkley thought that thinks that they're going to be a playoff team still, which I don't think, is yeah. very delusional. But at the same time, they are six and eight. Which is which still puts them in the hunt, just like a lot of these other teams, and and the West is just insane, man. It's, it's exactly like we thought it would, but even crazier because some of these teams are playing pretty well to start the season. Only a five game difference between first and fourteenth. That's just a bad road trip right there. Makes that <laughs> difference, uh, right? Yeah. yeah, it's crazy, man. You can't slip up. You can't be losing three games in a row, or else you're falling all the way down the standings. Right. Uh, and we're only five weeks in. We're not even. We're, well, some people are at twenty five percent through their schedule. I think. Yeah, uh, more like twenty percent at this point. But yeah, I mean, we're t- speaking about three uh, going on a three game losing streak. The San Antonio Spurs have done just that to highlight our sinking teams of the week. Uh, going all the way back to five hundred after a pretty decent start. Uh, they were seven and four just a week ago, and now with losses to the Kings and Clippers and an embarrassing twenty point loss to the Phoenix Suns. Oh man, this team has definitely has some glaring holes that uh, were not apparent at the start. Yeah, I said I don't think the San Antonio Spurs are a playoff team, and I knew this was going to happen. Uh, they just don't have the depth that they once did, uh, especially at that point guard position. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge is a little bit on the older side, and Demar Derozan he's a great player, but I mean he's just not. I don't even know. Is he? Would you consider him top twenty at this point? Yes, a hundred percent. DeMar DeRozan 100. is a top 20 player. Okay. I don't know, man. I'm just not in love with this team, and I'm not surprised. And these are these are pretty embarrassing losses to the Kings. The Clippers are looking good, but still, this is the Clippers, I, th- I think, should be a team the Spurs can beat. Um, and then coming back and losing to the Suns, not good. Yeah, but, man, I, I, I'm just disappointed that you aren't giving this team at least some credit. This is a team that lost, like, all of its point guards at the start of the season. Like, all of them. True. 
And they they started the season seven and four still with like one point guard like in Patty Mills, and I mean Demar Derozan comes in and he's really been the catalyst for them and he's been playing super well, and I don't I don't know I think they deserve a little more credit than you're giving them. I mean I I don't think they're gonna get beaten all out of the playoffs by any large stretch like they're the difference is gonna come down to just one or two three games, but I still see them. Uh, finishing on the outside. Sorry about that, Sean. Yeah. I'm just not a spur believer. I, I, that's fine. It's it's hard to believe in them now <laughs> after after this losing streak, and we're we're seeing a weakness in Lamarcus Aldridge's game of when he's not the first option, he seems to struggle a lot. Um, he's only right. shooting 41 percent this year, um, averaging 17 points a game. He was averaging over 20 last year. Uh, I think it was like 23 last year even. Yeah, um, he's just he does not good at being second fiddle. I don't know why. Yeah, he's he's struggling a little bit. And also to mention that Paul Gasol has also been inconsistent in terms of health and also his play. And I saw that coming. I mean, they were relying on Paul Gasol to be one of their uh, their solid pieces in the front court. And mm-hmm. he's on the older side as well. Right. Yeah. How about these Toronto Raptors, though? Atop the East, but on a three game losing streak. It's okay. Um, yeah, luckily, luckily for them, they started off so hot that it doesn't matter. Just with some losses to quality teams in the Pistons, Pelicans, and Celtics, so nothing to be afraid of there. But they are one on one of the longest uh, losing streaks in the NBA right now. Yeah, but okay. Yeah, the loss to the Pistons—that's kind of bad. But I mean, everybody gets a a schedule, as they call it, a schedule loss like that. <laughs> sure. Uh, you're on a road trip and you lose that one. The Pelicans, I mean, the Pelicans are a good team and they're on the hunt because they're struggling themselves and they're trying to jumpstart their year. And it was a fairly close game. Um, yeah, it was. All these the, games have been close. Exactly. And this Boston Celtics game, this has probably been, this is probably the the, the best game so far in the mm-hmm. season. I mean, that was a, a highly competitive game. And yeah. Both also teams were came- up double digits, I think, at some point in that game. So they're going back and forth. Yeah, so you lose, you lost, you lost these three games, but I wouldn't hang my head too low about it. I think the Toronto Raptors are still okay. Yeah, I guess I can't. You can't really. I yeah, it's a misnomer. I shouldn't have labeled them as a sinking team because they didn't <laughs> sink at all. <laughs> they did it. No, they're still holding on. Yeah. How about best performers? Nikola Jokic with thirty-seven points, twenty-one rebounds on fourteen for twenty-two shooting in the loss against the Brooklyn Nets. Man, what a wasted performance. Yeah, man, I can't there. believe they lost to the Nets after Nicola was able to put up something like that. And this is actually yeah. a trend you're going to see in all of the best and worst performances is that all of these happened in a loss. Yeah. <laughs> so Mitchell Robinson, four points, four rebounds, and nine blocks, and only 22 minutes in a loss against the Magic. Who is Mitch- Mitchell Robinson? Mitchell Robinson is... I think he was an early second-round pick for the New York Knicks this year, uh, second-round draft pick rookie, and they he's replaced Ennis Cantor in the starting lineup, and they're determined to make this guy the starting center of the future, I think, alongside Porzingis in that uh, front court. And, you know, he shows really good signs of athleticism and good defense. I mean, obviously getting nine blocks in 22 minutes, is that's really impressive. Interesting. Um, really the yeah. only impressive part of the stat line, but I had to highlight it just because I feel like this guy is showing good flashes of potential to potentially be a very good NBA player one day. Yeah. 
there's been a lot of guys like that on the New York as part of the New York Knicks franchise. But this one we'll got nine blocks. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> nine blocks is pretty impressive. Carl uh, Anthony Towns uh, going for 39 points and 19 rebounds on 15 for 27 shooting in a loss against the Sacramento <laughs> Kings. Yeah, I mean, he's he's playing better now that Jimmy Butler's gone. Actually, outside of his yeah la- yesterday's game against the Blazers, he played terrible. But yeah. Uh, other than that, it seems like he's finally coming into his own with Jimmy Butler gone. Yeah, it's interesting how precise it is that whenever Jimmy Butler was not playing, <laughs> Carl Anthony Downs had a monster game. That's true, yeah. And he, and Almost, he's had, yeah. Uncanny, man. Yeah, it's silly, uh, interesting, I don't know. But uh, I think that's going to be the trend there is Carl Anthony Towns is going to continue to put up numbers like that. I think he's going to justify uh, really the, the title of – the the top one of the top big men in the league uh but i don't think the timberwolves are going to win as much as they would have with jimmy butler no yeah i mean yeah they they won't win as many games as they did last year when jimmy butler wasn't like a huge locker room problem maybe maybe it was last year but they were able to at least figure it out last year i think yeah this year was just irreparable yeah so let's go to wor- the worst performances here. Goran Dragic, 21 minutes, 0 for 7, 0 points, 2 rebounds, 3 assists, and 3 turnovers, and a loss against the Washington Wizards. Well, he, at least he did them the favor of helping them get their get their get a win. <laughs> yeah, the Wizards will take any help that they can get right now, but man, Goran Dragic, you're an all-star, man. You can't be putting up 0 points. I don't care what kind of night you're having. You got to play better. Yeah, and the, we haven't highlighted the Miami Heat as much on this podcast, but There's they're also nothing a to team. Highlight. Yeah, they're also one of those teams that isn't necessarily sinking because it seems like they never even started floating. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they're they're just like right at five hundred, and you know they're not really doing anything to impress us or like let us down outside of this terrible Goran Dragic performance. I guess Rodney Magruder is the one, like kind of bright spot for them right now yeah, and he, his the development man. yeah his development i did not see that coming at all so good for him but i mean he's not enough to make this team win any more games though no they're looking bottom what are they four and six right now yeah, yeah. Or, some, so, or six and nine yeah six, six and, and nine. nine yeah four and six over the last but yeah not not too good there but it this that pales in comparison to this terrible performance by Draymond Green returning from his suspension for bad mouthing Kevin Durant with zero points, five rebounds, and five turnovers in a brutal, crushing loss to the Rockets. Come on, Draymond, if you're trying to get your bread, trying to get that two that two hundred million plus super max, this is definitely not going to help him make an All NBA team. <laughs> yeah, how is this? Yeah, how is the? Yeah, you can't make a max contract when you're putting up zero points and five turnovers. Man, that is embarrassing. Yeah, this next one here though deserves a mention. Is every now and then we'll mention a team. Their whole the <laughs> yeah. whole roster is on part of the worst performance. Yeah, last and, last week it was the Lakers. Yeah, and this week we have the Utah Jazz, and it makes me sad to say this because I. I am on the Jazz bandwagon. I became a fanboy of theirs last <laughs> last year, and yep. they're just—I cannot believe how under how under how they're performing. I mean, the expectations yeah. were so high. I thought, yeah, you, I mean, we saw what they could do last season at the end of their last regular season, and even into the playoffs, how well they were playing. And man, they just do not look like that same team anymore. I don't know what changed. The, the team is basically exactly the same, but yeah. 
Um, yeah, scoring 68 points. Only 68 points in the entire game. Some teams do that <laughs> in one half. Yeah. They, they took 68 points uh, in a 50-point pummeling from the Mavs. Uh, 118 to 68 was the final score in that one. That's the lowest score uh, any team's had this season. Uh, only shooting 30.9% from the field, 17.1% from three, and only 63.2% from the line, compa- comparable to uh, any game the Lakers played last year. Um, yeah, <laughs> from the from the free throw line, that is. I don't. Um, I really don't know what's going on. I mean, my. My only thing is that the rule, the rule change is really affecting their defensive schemes, maybe. Uh, but by now, I thought they would have adjusted. But it just doesn't. It doesn't like Ricky Rubio is just not the same. Donovan Mitchell oh, yeah. hasn't really put together any big scoring performances like he did last year. Rudy Gobert to me has been as consistent as ever. Uh, Joe Ingles as well, um, but Ricky Rubio, Donovan Mitchell, and some of the other guys just don't seem to be clicking as well as they did last year. Yeah, I mean Donovan Mitchell. He he's still averaging twenty one points a game, which is is great. But the, his shooting is just abysmal this year. His field mm-hmm. goal percentage is on par with that of Russell Westbrook. Yeah, and that that is definitely not what you want to see on Utah Jazz. I mean, they're gonna give him the green light to just do what he needs to do to be the star on this team, but he is not living up to that yet. And you know, I think it is a lot of responsibility to put on a second year player. Yeah, uh, when he, he's coming in as a rookie, he really had no. Uh, he had nothing to worry about, you know. He had nothing to lose because he was just the the fourteenth, fifteenth pick in the draft. No one expected him to be this amazing player, and he was just able to go play his game. But now all the spotlight's on him, and you know he's. Uh, it seems like he's getting a little bit of stage fright, honestly. Um, yeah, from what I'm looking at. Right, and they're getting no help from Derek Fabers or any of the other guys that were coming off the bench last year. Royce O'Neal, Alec Burks, Dante Exum looked like they were going to be big pieces this year, and. I mean, they might be thinking about making some sort of a trade um, in the next couple of mm. weeks to get another scorer on this team. Interesting. Uh, just to get a little bit more of a punch if they can't figure this thing out. But here's an interesting stat from that game, though. Dallas uh-huh. turned the ball over over 20 times, and Utah only scored three points off of those turnovers. Ooh, wow, that's pretty bad. Yeah, I Very mean... fast break offense is non-existent then. Basically, uh yeah, and I mean, I guess it just speaks to that story of how horrible they were shooting from the field, which, yeah, I mean, they're open shots, so that that's that's as good as you can get. Yeah, I guess when you have bad nights, you have really bad nights, but at the same time, does this look like a playoff team to you anymore? I mean, you were really high on them to start the season, but they have just been very disappointing. You know, the race is still close enough, and I think they still have enough talent on this team. To, to justify that, yeah, they, they still are a playoff team. Not only that, I still have hope that they can finish within the top five of the Western Conference. Wow. Uh, I still have hope. I mean, it's a close. It's still not. The gap still hasn't opened up uh, large enough. And even talking about gaps, I mean, this team really closed that gap to end the season last year uh, to get themselves in the playoffs. So this is a team I, I, I'm still not doubting. Um, I still see them in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm a little more skeptical because, sure, they had that run last year, but that was because Gobert came back. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, they have they have their whole team fully healthy right now, as far as I know. Like, I don't think anyone's hiding any injuries. So, Mm-mm. I mean, you, you compare it to, like, the Spurs, who are also not playing very well. Like, they're, they're about in the same boat as the Spurs, which is funny because these are the teams we're both really, like, 
gunning for that we we believe in pretty highly and they're both hovering around 500 right now looking on the outside looking in yeah see i still think though that utah has more on their team than the spurs do i mean rudy gobert is still defensive player of the year candidate on utah I mean, I just, I, th- I just think the Utah Jazz have more pieces on their team. They're just so much more of a deeper team than the San Antonio Spurs. Like, I just don't have much faith in who they're putting in point guard at this point. I don't have much faith in Pal Gasol. Um, I think <laughs> Lamarcus Aldridge is regressing. I mean, Demar Derozan is a great player, um, and Rudy Gay as well. Rudy Gay, Rudy Gay, Marco Bellinelli is playing pretty good for them. Yeah, I mean, when you take. I mean, Utah, I think, has a be- just has a better team. Rudy Gobert, um, Derek Favors, Joe Ingles, Ricky Rubio, Donovan Mitchell. I think they yeah. should be better. We're going to have to see Donovan Mitchell snap out of his shooting slump um, mm-hmm. if they're going to really turn a corner. Until he can figure that out, they're, they're looking pretty bad. Yeah. So just to close the, the podcast up, how about this? The Warriors offering a new ticket called In the Building Pass where it costs $100 a month, but you basically get no seats or you don't get to view the core. All you really do is you get to you get the privilege of hanging out in the stadium hallways, in the stadium <laughs> bars, and using oh the stadium bathrooms located outside of uh, the actual core area. Hmm. So yeah, th- I think this is crazy. You're basically paying a hundred bucks a month to like, have access to like average restaurants and like pretty mediocre food. <laughs> yeah, I guess and, you get it's like a hangout spot for like all these Warriors fans, but I just I can't justify doing this. I'd rather just have friends over at my house and we can watch TV. Right, exactly. Or go to your favorite bar, uh, and where you yeah, can get yeah, a, go to a sports bar. There's so many sports bars in San Francisco. You don't need to go to a <laughs> one that costs a hundred dollars a month as a as an entry fee. Exactly, and then I mean, you mentioned average food. Average food that doesn't that doesn't carry an average price either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I I can't help but think that these things are gonna sell though because there's so many diehard fans there. True. I'm I'm interested to see. I I mean, if this becomes a trend through the NBA, I don't see it working anywhere else other than maybe just the Bay Area and yeah. LA. Yeah, I can't see this being a trend because. You have to have just the hugest demand for your tickets and, like, just to be at games. Like, the Warriors can get away with it because of what they've built there. And maybe the Lakers can, too. But I can't see any other team at this point being able to pull that off. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And even that question how long the Warriors can keep this going, like, like if, I mean, I don't know. I but if this team Steph Curry's there, honestly. Yeah? yeah like, if like this team... even if they're not, like the championship favorite next year like their fans will still be there you know and like mm-hmm. they'll still be it's kind of like like the san francisco giants in baseball like right they, they they continue to go to those games even though it's been a few years now since they've won a world series yeah yeah and yeah that new warrior stadium is gonna be awesome i mean yeah, i've already true. seen it and like that location yeah. where it's at is crazy nice uh yeah, right by the water epic. by downtown san francisco so it'll be nice uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm definitely not going to be part of this. No, you're not going to be part of this. No, I will not. <laughs> I don't even think I'd do it for the Lakers if I lived in downtown LA. Uh, so much money just to do, just to be in like crowded parking and like you don't get anything special. Yeah, interesting. I wonder if this is their last ditch effort to get enough money 
to justify giving Draymond Green 200 million plus <laughs> and Kevin Durant, and yeah, then eventually you you're go. gonna pay have to pay Clay Thompson as well. Yeah, I mean they've been in the luxury tax so many years too. They probably need the money now. Yeah, yeah, this is the last-ditch effort, and we'll see how it goes. Well, yeah. this is it, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week as well. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everybody.